0: Great time is over. This CL, y'all know what time? Uh. The mother guys ain't got no style. We know what's up before we go down. This is the now. This is the now. If you ain't know the deal, I bet you know now. This is the fans' voice. You hear them boos? what. Uh, yeah. yeah, What's that What Without doubt. What's going down, people, people? It's your homie homie. CL. And I'm back live on a rundown sports. Gotta know that. And I'd like to thank y'all for joining me. However, you join me. Uh just want to go ahead and uh finish up my chat with Saiku Smith from NBA.com's Hangtime Blog and Podcast. Um, he was very very generous with his time. So I did go ahead and bust the podcast up in two parts so y'all wouldn't have to try to sift through the whole thing in one sitting. It's cool. I know how y'all eat, so uh I'm going to give you the right portions. Got to know that. So uh not going to hold it up anymore. If you heard part 1, you know we were talking about Hawks and uh, a lot of other things going on in the 8. So uh without further ado, here's part 2. Okay, well, since we're talking about uh, Atlanta sports fans, you know a very notable one yourself, um, your co-host on the podcast, Lane Whitaker. Um, is he uh, more of a homer than he comes off? Because I know he tries to play a neutral, you know, when he can, but.
1: Uh, no, I don't think Lane is a homer so much. as Man, Lane is never, sh- high, you know, shied away from the fact he's a diehard Hawks fan and he's a die-hard fan of all things Atlanta and Georgia. I mean, this is where he's from is, you know, he's born and raised here, went to the University of Georgia. Um, and as far as I know, other than his 15 years in New York, he's only lived in two places here and there. So I'm not mad at him. You know, And I think if I'd have had teams in my hometown that I could root for like that, who knows, maybe I would have that kind of connection to those teams as well, man. But I don't think that's a bad thing, you know, for people to have strings, you know, attached to them like that. I I think that gives you some grounding that a lot of other guys don't have, man. Lang's adolescence was shaped by his sports teams he grew up rooting for, just like mine, you know. Anybody that really knows me will tell you that come Saturdays, University of Michigan is on, you know, and you got to get out the room. You can't stay in the room with me because I'm passionate about it to the point where it borders on silliness, you know. And I think that's that's a good thing to never let go of that wistfulness, you know, and, and that cosmic connection to your hometown and your teams.
0: Right, right. All right. Well, I know I'm, I'm putting together some type of like Atlanta sports documentary at some point, and I would love to get Lane's input um, because, like you said, people have this perception, you know, of what it's like, and. I feel like it, it is kind of contrary to belief, you know, because you can find a Falcon fan all year round. Um, now, when you're talking uh, college football, now that's on another level. Uh, but definitely, you know, Hawks, Braves, um, Falcons, you know, they're they're well represented all the time. Um, and it's just, I guess because it's not a traditional power, people don't ever really, you know, look at, you know, Atlanta is having that rich culture or championship culture that a lot of these, you know, New York, Boston, LAs have. Yeah, they don't. I mean, Atlanta hasn't had some of these teams long to have
1: that. And that's just the way it is. That's just reality, man. You know, you, the Braves created a following with a decade and a half of just tremendous success, going winning divisions year after year. Um, they only won one World Series title. And I say only as if everybody owns, you know, multiple numbers of championships, which is just not the case, you know. Uh, but you it's, you build you build a following and you make fans by being successful. I would tell you that the NFL has a different model in that football is such a popular sport. And this, you know, where can you go that's not, quote, unquote, football country? Uh, so they have a built-in system where you can create fans out of nothing, you know, basically out of thin air. Um, Basketball is different, you know, in that if you've had success over the course of, you know, decade, maybe have a, fans grow up into fandom. Um, same goes with baseball. But if the Hawks spend a decade going to the playoffs, my kids are in adolescence, or your kids are in adolescence, or anybody's kids are coming up now watching a team go to the playoffs eight, nine, 10, 12, 13 years in a row they will grow up with success as a part of the DNA of their fandom and how they approach and view that franchise. And it allows you to build a generation of fans who are truly locked in with that group and truly understand, hey, when I was a kid, I rooted for the Hawks. They went to the playoffs every year. It's, it's, It's a different... It's a different thing. You know. You had Dominique in the, you know, in the 80s, so you had a starter to latch on to, but right. you didn't have championships won. Now you have a team that potentially could compete for championships that might be around here for years to come, and that's something that changes the dynamic for people who are born and raised and grow up watching, uh, adoring, rooting for certain franchises.
0: Okay, well, that kind of saves weight um, into what we – are looking at now with the Hawks. Now, you know, you are downtown Atlanta in the Turner building. um, So you still plugged in with them pretty good? You know, it's
1: weird. I I mean, when I was covering the team, obviously, as a B-rider, you're around every single day. You're on the road with the team. So you're locked in a different way. Um, Mm -hmm. I still know plenty of people who work there, and I'm, you know, I'm plugged in, but not on a daily basis. I cover the entire league now um, working at NBA, common NBA TV. So my responsibilities go beyond, you know, my home base here in Atlanta. But if there's some shaking with the Hawks, yeah, I'm I'm generally in the loop in terms of what's going on with them, you know, and, and what they have going on as an organization and as a team.
0: Okay, now, I'm guess like they had a real culture shift, you know, when they did get rid of Josh, Josh Smith and Joe Johnson, and now we have this, uh, you know, Coach Bud slash Spurs East. Uh, type thing going on, and uh, you know the whole Danny Ferry issue is you know peeking his head up every once in a while. Now I just seen where they're having two chains do concerts at the Hawks games. Is that distracting enough to the fact that Danny Ferry still has his job? I, you know, honestly, I don't think one has much to do with the other.
1: Um, they've been doing this since Steve Coonan took over, obviously, you know, trying to build a bridge between a fan base that's, you know, that's most diverse in the NBA. I know the comments that were made by both Danny Ferry and by Bruce Levinson, one of the uh, part owners who's about to be a former owner, obviously, right. uh, you know, suggested one thing, but if you've been in that arena, like I have on so many occasions over the past decade, plus, you know better. Um, mm-hmm. I've been in every arena in the league, and I'm, trust me when I tell you, there isn't a more diverse fan base than, you know, that you can find anywhere. It's not just black and white people that go to Hawks games. It's everything. It's the Milton part of Atlanta that I see, that you probably see living here, that people outside of Atlanta don't appreciate. Every, I mean, I've heard it over the years. You know, Atlanta's a great place for black people. Oh, black people love Atlanta. Well, I never heard... I haven't met too many people of any... Uh, race, shade, color, whatever, that don't like living here.
0: Yes, that's true.
1: I mean, it's a great city for for a lot of people, not just for black people. It's a great city to raise a family in, and I don't care who you are, what color you are, what ethnicity you are. Um, So I've seen uh, a different group of fans come through the building at Phillips Arena over the past decade plus than than a lot of other people see from a distance. And and that's what I'm always pushing back on is that you know, two chains coming and performing at the games. is not just for to connect with the African American segment of the Hawks fan base and population. Man, I know all kind of people that like Two Chains. My kids go to school, <laughs> and all their friends they listen to the same music. They listen to the, read the same things. They're sure. fans of the same teams. Uh, I think our our culture is global in in terms of what connects young people, especially and. The older we get, the less we tend to realize that.
0: Okay. Now, I know it's uh, been running along, and um, I don't want to keep you too much longer, uh, but I did just have a few more questions. Now, uh, just to piggyback off that last question, now how much credit should Danny Ferry be receiving for the team construction?
1: Well, I think first and foremost, I've learned over the years, that in the NBA and any other sports, you know dynamic whether it's pro or college sports you credit the people who are present that means you credit the people who go out every night and play you know you credit the people who are coaching and managing the day-to-day operation of a franchise Danny Ferry did a, a you know really good job putting certain pieces in place but the execution now is on a lot of other people it's up to Mike Budenholzer it's up to those players it's up to Budenholzer's assistants it's up to Wes Wilcox, who's the assistant GM that Danny brought in. It's up to a lot of other people to execute the, you know, the ultimate plan. Um, you know, right. so, so I've I've heard people say, "Well, Danny Ferry should be the executive of the year," and this and the other. I, I will tell you that it's very hard to give anybody credit for anything that they don't have a day to day hand in operating. All right. um, and that's yeah. not to say he didn't do a good job putting these pieces in place because a lot of them he did. A lot of them have you know operated sans Danny Ferry. Think about it. You know, that would be the equivalent of, of telling a guy, hey, you know, we're going to make you the the player of the year or the executive of the year or the, you know, the man of the year on this thing that you've stayed away from and has had unparalleled success. I mean, that it's not logical to assume that Danny would deserve all the credit for what's going on now when all these other people that are the ones making it work. So, I think it's a fine line. You walk trying to give him the due he deserves for his his hand and what's going on, but then also recognize the people who are present for the job they've done in his absence to make this thing what it is. They, Danny Fair was around last year, and this team barely squeaked into the playoffs.
0: Mm-hmm. Nobody,
1: nobody was talking about him getting executive year in So right. now, right. for them to be at the top of the East and rolling into the playoffs, I don't think he deserves any more or less credit than he got last year. I think the people who are present, Mike Boonehoser, his staff, his players. Those are the people you need to be directing your attention
0: to. Okay. And I like that perspective um, because I know a lot of times fans get in this knee-jerk type reaction and they want to just blame everything on this person or that person. And, you know, it's like it always gets lost in the, the conversation that this is a team game. This, you know, this team has an organization behind it. Like there are so many factors that go on before the game even starts, you know, like preparation. You know, what I'm saying you just think about, uh, you know, even like in football with Bill Belichick, that dude has his whole team prepared. And you look at the last play of the Super Bowl; they practiced that. So, you know, it's not all of, uh, you know, oh he missed the last shot and you just blame that. No, this this or, there's a, a long list of things that, come to a point, you know. Once they hit the floor. So um, I, I really can appreciate your perspective on that.
1: Yeah, I mean it's a it's a three dimensional, you know, situation you're talking about. It's not just players, it's not just coaches, it's not just front office. It has to be that you know, those three components combined with, you know, a solid foundation for an organization to have the kind of success we've seen, you know, from the Hawks this year. And you know, Steve Coonan. As the CEO of the team and his staff deserve a lot of credit for, you know, just creating an atmosphere where these guys can compete at this level, operate on on a higher level than they have before, and uh, and see this thing through. You know, we don't know where it's going to end. Obviously, Um, you know, for Hawks fans' sake, you hope it ends it with a deep playoff run, hopefully to the finals. Whatever, you know, that that every fan base is going to aspire to, Um, but you can't get there without going through the we've seen us go through now. I mean, you have to get on on solid ground as an organization, get a coach in place who knows what he's doing, have a roster that's sound top to bottom, convince all those guys to sacrifice at a high enough level that you can compete with the best of the best in the most competitive atmosphere for basketball on the planet. And I often people assume that this is done in a vacuum, and it's not. You know, it's done with so many moving parts and so many different people having to have a hand in it in so much having to do with you know pure luck and you know serendipity and timing and all these other factors that go into being successful in anything all of that has to be a part of the equation when you're talking about competing at the highest level
0: all right so i got about uh maybe three more questions um i'm gonna say this and then kind of go like rapid fire through them because i know you know right. you're running short on time um, so okay Well, I'll say this. The Hawks' biggest acquisition in the offseason was getting a healthy Al Horford. And to me, like, he's basically playing the Tim Duncan role in the offense. You know, skilled big man. um, And you could tell that they were a good team last year, but they really needed a star-quality guy to go to or to just, you know, command the attention um, that, you know, that, kind of just fizzled out during the playoffs. So I think that was one of the biggest things people don't really talk about when they look at the last year Hawks to this year. And a lot of credit goes out to Zach Lowe, who uh, I know I heard on a few podcasts, you know, referring to the Hawks as one of the better teams in the East. But, you know, he kind of had a shake in his voice every time he said it. Uh, right. But, um, all right, so kind of going back to your career, um, how did you end up at NBA doing a blog and a podcast? Um,
1: well, somebody in their infinite wisdom over there, and, and shout out to all my bosses at NBA Digital, um, decided in 2009 that they wanted to start a blog. You know, a new blog on NBA.com, um, which you know, which became the Hangtime Blog. The Hangtime Podcast is a is another beast that was born out of you know some collaboration and work myself and Vince Thomas did, um, when he worked with us at NBA digital, uh, and it's kind of grown from there, man. It's just, it was great timing, you know, and in this business and in life, you have to be really lucky and have good timing on a lot of things. Um, when NBA digital shifted from New Jersey to Atlanta, I just happened to be here and, you know, and and things aligned and allowed me to come over there and, and work for NBA digital without, you know, you get a chance to change courses, your career, go from traditional newspaper background to a digital uh, situation and without having to move basically, okay. so it, it worked out great for me and my family my, my wife let me know that hey, you know whatever opportunities I was pursuing, if they involve snow and moving north of the Mason-Dixon line, I might be doing it <laughs> by myself so, you know, I gotta give credit to uh, NBA.com and NBA TV for saving me a lot of heartache and, uh, and a, probably a Frying pan upside the head. If I told my wife we're gonna move to New York or Boston or somewhere else to pursue some opportunity, so um, you know that's that's how that works in terms of just like I said, it's just right place, right time. Sometimes you got to be lucky in life, and I
0: was. Oh man, I'm about to say you ain't you ain't want a whole Al Green situation where she coming at you with some hot grits in the shower. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm smart enough to know to keep my home fires just right. Oh, what's happening? All right, so you got the the podcast. I I, t- I asked you one question about Lane. Now, your other co-host, Rick Fox, um, mm-hmm. you know, very eccentric. Uh, you know, as he does a lot of acting and you know has a lot of interest outside of basketball. Um, tell me, what's the most pretty boyish thing you've ever seen Rick do? <laughs> you know what, man,
1: and I'm and I'm gonna be honest with you, his his pretty boy thing is way overrated, man. Really. Rick- Rick is one of the hardest working, most down to earth dudes I've ever dealt with, and I've dealt with a lot of them in this business. And that's not who he is, man. Now, if you see him, you you you're assuming, you're judging him based on his looks, which a world class. I, I'm I'm not a hater, man. I've walked down streets with plenty of famous people before. I've never seen a dude walk around and get the kind of adulation. <laughs> it's, it's, it has nothing. To do with sports or basketball, I've seen women flip out just because they've seen him in a movie or on a TV show. Um, yeah. My own wife had to admit to me in New York we were up there for all star. We're sitting in the back of a car and he was getting out of a uh, another car at our hotel, and he was going in the hotel. We were getting ready to leave and we drove off, and she's like, "Wow, he really is just a good-looking man." And it's like, "No, you know, you don't have to remind me." <laughs> you know, we, we hear about it, Lang, and I hear about it all the time. So, but that you know. He doesn't Allow that to be A defining You know Factor of who he is man. He's a hard working cat who, who knows his craft Whether it's Being an analyst You know uh, On NBA TV Or on the podcast Or it's acting In one of his many You know uh, Film and television ventures Man And that's what makes him successful It's what Makes him The kind of guy That people want to Continue to work with Is that you know, a lot of times you assume somebody is one way from a distance or when you don't know them well, and then when you get to know them, you realize this person is successful because they worked their tail off and because they believe in doing things a certain way. And he's a champion in, in basketball and in his life because he's put in the work to, to be that.
0: Okay. And uh, shout-out to uh, Wendy Raquel Robertson, a.k.a. Tasha Mack, for um, <laughs> holding your boy down on the game. Uh, yeah, I thought that was some pretty good work he did, um, you know, just as a uh, extended look into his talent, you know, because usually he's, you know, in a movie for a few scenes and you know, that's about it. So uh, go ahead. And give him my kudos that uh did a good job on the game right there. I'll let him know, man. I mean, and listen, I'm I'll be the first to
1: tell you and Rick, I don't watch a lot of the things he's been on in terms of I'm not I'm <laughs> watch the game regular. I'm not a regular watcher of that series. But I've heard from enough people, you know, male and female, that, hey, they thought he did a fantastic job. My sisters all think he's, you know, great on that and the other things. And I'm like, if y'all say so, you know. Um, I, you know, he's got some projects coming up that are even more hilarious to me, like being the vice president in Sharknado 3. And, I heard that. All uh, kind of hilarious stuff that, to me, man, it, you want to see anybody in whatever they do, max, their, you know, max out and just... Hit, hit, you know, hit the ceiling and crash through it, and whatever they do, man. And, uh, and like I said, Rick, is, uh, my appreciation for his work as a professional and everything he does has grown exponentially having worked with him the past few years. It's just, he's just a he's a hell of a dude, man. And and I hope people recognize that it, it's not easy to to dabble in as many things as he does and do it as well as he does without putting in some serious work.
0: All right. So uh, just to wrap it up, just real quick. Uh, Be generic. Uh, Who you got for MVP this year? Man, I'm telling you, my my MVP vote, you know,
1: it rotates on on a daily basis with all these outlandish performances guys are putting up down here this last, you know, stretch of the season. But I have a hard time seeing how you could, you know, sidetrack Stephen Curry and all that he's done this year as not only a superstar player, but a floor leader and catalyst for the Golden State Warriors. Um, it's hard to see how somebody is having a more impactful, more MVP like season than what he's having. There are other guys who have, to me, are in that same stratosphere. You know, James Harden, obviously, LeBron James, Hugh Gently, playing some of the best, we've seen any one play, but it's a long stretch um, in season. Steph. Curry, man, he's been he's been there for the you know what has basically been the best team in the league, if not the best, the, the, right there with Atlanta as the best for the bulk of the season. And uh, and I think if he finishes the season the way he's played all along. He has a very good chance of winning the MVP. All right.
0: All right. Well, um, I'm just wishing his ankles well. I know he has a contract with Under Armour, um, so I'm hoping them shoes work out for him. Um, since March Madness is tipping off today, um, who is your NBA? Final Four, and who you got winning the chip? Well,
1: my, my Final Four, I would love to see conference finals on the east side. I would love to see a clash of styles. You know, styles to me always make good fights in the NBA. Yes, sir. Um,
0: Shout I would, out Manny Pacquiao and uh, Floyd Mayweather. Can't wait for that one. Yeah, me, the Floyd is from my hometown,
1: so you know I'm going with, with Money Mayweather at, at all times gotta in know that, that situation. But uh, I would love to see a Cleveland-Atlanta Eastern Conference Finals, I think just the style and the back and forth, it would be that Spurs style going at LeBron's new team and see if he can solve ways that he couldn't San Antonio last year in the finals. Um, and then in the West, I think, you know, you want to be the new school team and upstart and, and win that championship if you go to the state. That means you got to go through mm. the, the team that, that owns that, that crown and that's San Antonio. So it would be nice to see final four with those four teams. And then in the final, man, you know, I don't care what combination you give me. If you give me any of those four, I'm feeling good. And, uh, and I'll take the travel between those cities as well, man. Some of my, I interned in Cleveland. Um, uh, you know, I've lived near Memphis. Atlanta is the home base for me and the Bay area is one of my all time favorite places. So I don't think you're wrong traipsing back and forth between any of those spots for the finals in June.
0: All right. Well, uh, I know I'm looking at for the West at least Memphis and Golden State. I just want to see those two styles clash, you mm-hmm. know, because you got one that's real perimeter oriented, one that's real down low oriented, and I just want to see, you know, at when it like blow by blow, because that's you know old school basketball when you're talking about Memphis and, uh, you know, you, you look at the parallels like to the NFL, you know the old school lost this year, you know, because Seattle was the pounding ground play defense and, you know, Brady Neal, they was throwing the ball all over the place. So right. I want to see which one of those styles will win out in the finals, uh, you know, with between Memphis and Golden State. So, what uh, I do appreciate it, man. Uh, you gave me a little extended time more than I had requested. So, uh, I thank you once again for coming on, who uh, Yeah, man.
1: No problem. I appreciate it, man. Always glad to talk sports, you know, entertainment, obviously basketball for sure, man. And uh, uh, appreciate what you got going on. And uh, I love the, you know, the conversation to me is one that needs to keep being had um, here and elsewhere, man, just about uh, how all this stuff is intertwined and the positive. You know, impact that this stuff has on on not only us but on future generations. So, thank okay. you for having me.
0: No problem, man. And uh, you, you got like five minutes, so I can kind of ask you a few questions at the end. Yeah, uh, man. All right, most definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, so, well, uh, once again, just let everybody know where they can find you, and uh, you know, kind of the best way to get in contact with you.
1: Yeah, I mean, NBA.com is where we house the Hangtime blog and the Hang Time podcast, obviously. You get on there, you can find all of it on Twitter, um, at NBA, And I'm, I'm lagging behind in my Instagram activity. Uh, Don't feel bad. Activity. It's one of the things like where I'm just now getting up to speed you know, on Facebook and Twitter. Now you got to tell me, you know, now I got to take night class to get up to speed on Instagram. <laughs> it's Sekou 3000 on Instagram. Shout out to Andre3000 of Outcast Stealing his thunder a little bit there. But um, you can find me at all those places, man. You can find my work and, and our work from nba digital from nba.com the hangtime podcast and
0: everybody all of those places all right once again i would like to thank Seku smith for joining me on the podcast being gracious with his time um sure did get a lot from that session uh i know i did i hope y'all did too uh if y'all like what y'all heard please give me some feedback let me know what y'all think at the rundown sports on twitter i'm at cl the main event on twitter uh, you can find this every time it come out at the rundown dot com, and uh, I'm out you. Peace.